You're listening to Monocle's House View, first broadcast on the 4th of March 2020 on Monocle 24. This is Monocle's House View, coming up today. They don't call Super Tuesday for nothing. A remarkable Super Tuesday reveals the divisions in the United States Democratic Party. My guests Tim Marshall and Oscar Juadiola Rivera will discuss that and the day's other big stories, including the latest Freedom House Global Report and why conservative values seem to be winning in Eastern Europe. Plus... Portugal's environmental agency recently greenlit a new location by repurposing an old military base on the south bank of the River Tagos. Lisbon's battle for a new airport. I'm Andrew Muller. Monocle's House View starts now. Welcome to the show. I'm joined by Tim Marshall, the author, former diplomatic editor of Sky News and editor of the What and the Why.com, and Oscar Juadiola Rivera, professor of international law and international affairs at Birkbeck College. Let's start by pondering the ramifications of yesterday's Super Tuesday. One American politician who understood something about winning elections famously observed that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Republican though Abraham Lincoln was, his observation seems applicable to the Democratic Party which now seems set for a splendid brawl between its centrist and leftist tendencies. Um, Oscar, there have been angry Bernie Sanders fans, like there are any other kind, suggesting that Senator Elizabeth Warren uh, should have done for their guy what Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg did for Joe Biden, as in stepped aside and lent him their endorsement. Should she have? Well, uh, their opinion is uh, she should. And uh, But uh, let me say two things before I answer your question. Number one, I don't think Super Tuesday has been as decisive as the pundits uh, uh, think it has been. Actually, we should look for uh, results uh, next week. Um, because what has happened is, yes, Joe Biden is back uh, uh, in, uh, in the, in, into the race. But uh, it seems as if uh, he will now stumble, some be like, into a broker convention. And there, the 97-plus superdelegates who already told the New York Times they are ready to destroy the Democratic Party, if that's what it takes in order to stop Sanders, uh, will uh, crown him and elect him to lose the presidential election. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> that takes us to number two. What is going to happen now? This is the answer to your question. Of course, a scorched earth between uh, uh, Sanders uh, supporters and uh, the so-called centrist. But mind you, uh, it does seem as if uh, Biden and the establishment Democrats have, uh, uh, you know, shot all their ammunition. And if having done that, all they have achieved is a tie, an effective tie with Sanders, you must begin to wonder, how is, how is he going to do against Trump? My problem is establishment Democrats and the mainstream media in the United States, also here, continue to underestimate Mr. Trump, just as they did back in 2016. Well, on that score, is it self-indulgent for the Democratic Party to be thinking about literally anything else than beating Donald Trump? Uh, pretty much, because you can think and talk about anything you want, but unless you're going to get to power, you won't be able to do anything with it. So concentrate on winning power. And they are concentrating on beating each other up. But it's, it's an inevitable process. I mean, you know, everyone goes through it. Mm. If, it if Trump wasn't standing, and the, Repub the Republicans will be having exactly the same fight. I happen to agree with 
just about everything Oscar said. I remember a couple of weeks ago, somebody promising me that um, you don't understand American politics. Biden is totally finished. He'll he'll resign after <laughs> Super Tuesday. And I thought, yeah. give over. Yeah. You, you know, they, they haven't gamed out the different states, the demographics of the different states. I said he's still in it. I still think uh, Biden will win. Um, but uh, I thought he's not going to resign. And then uh, California isn't in yet. When California comes mm -hmm. in, I think that puts him within about 30 votes, or delegate votes, mm. of, uh, of um, excuse me. Sanders. <laughs> Sanders is, is then within about 30 delegate votes of Biden. Mm. At that point, you look ahead to next and, week. And Texas also. Yes. Let us remember that those are still being distributed, and those delegates exactly. will not uh, be distributed until early next week. Yeah. They're going to be on a tie. And then next week, Washington. Idaho, Michigan, all the ones that are going to come in. Most, most, most of these states were won by Sanders last time. Exactly. And at which point um, they are at best level. And so we're back at it. But the real winner, Trump. Absolutely. Trump yeah. is the winner because, I, because Biden has had such a terrible campaign and is looking like an old man. Well, he's an old man. Yes, he's an old man. And, 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 I mean, and, his mental yes. faculties are in question and so on. And so the, if it is him... It looks better for Trump. If it's Biden, it looks better for Trump. Win-win. Um, on that cheerful thought, uh, Oscar, is this, as you see it, a, a struggle for the actual existential soul of the Democratic Party? Are these two different political visions that are being contested? Or is this is this personalities? Is as I think I mean I know politics, mm. it's often an overlap between the two, but What's actually going to be decisive? Is it just about that thing of voters deciding this is the guy that, for whatever reason, I just like more? This is not only a vote for the soul of the Democratic Party, but if you listen to many of uh, Sanders' so-called, uh, you know, very angry guys, actually they see it as a battle for the soul of U.S. democracy yeah. itself. Because it is the matter that, uh, indeed, as we just heard, it's going to be very difficult for either Sanders or, or, or Biden to uh, uh, defeat Trump. But at the very least, in terms of the record, in terms of uh, uh, ground uh, forces and grassroots organization, there is uh, a sense that uh, Sanders might have a better shot than Biden. You look at uh, Biden's record and in everything that matters, Listen to this, you know, taxation. <laughs> there's there's uh, some grumpy, welfare, grumpy head shaking welfare. from Tim going on. I know, watching I know. on television, I'm shaking I, my head. But <laughs> I, already, I already said it's going to be difficult for either of them. But if you look at what you just mentioned, you know, politics, which is now theatrics, the kind of performances, compare performances sure. by Biden with Sanders, and w Iraq war, uh, welfare cuts, uh, billionaires, all the stuff that Trump lies about, but everybody believes him. The minute Biden tries to lie, and he has already begun to lie, sure you know, I was arrested together with Mandela yeah. uh, and all that, all that stuff that the mainstream media portrays as if it were true, these are lies. Well, Trump is gonna, is gonna draw rings around him like crazy. At least Sanders is uh, angry enough to to shout back at him i'm not saying it's going to just be keep easier. out of this for the moment <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be easier but uh, no. but at least he may have a shot also, say, if you also, see blokes are good to carry on i can go yeah, out and get yeah, some yeah. shopping done no the other thing is look at look at the look at the the states where where uh, uh, biden won yesterday uh, alabama tennessee yeah, yeah, yeah. well those are not states that the democrats are going to win anyway so we have to look at, uh, yes, Texas, California, New York, what, you know, the states and, and uh, uh, next week, the states that might uh, uh, shift Democrat. Two, th not gonna two be things, easy. Oscar. One, 
Oscar is waving his hands around in a very, very... Uh, 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 Sanders-like... Sanders no, no, you know when he does that thing with his hands when he... Uh, I, I, was try, I, was try, I was sitting here trying to rise above making that comparison between the whole sort of Sanders versus Biden... His channeling is in a Bernie. But secondly, you, you touched <laughs> on it, Respect for the old man. You, you, you touched on it. Um, well, no, you, you both touched on it with this about the thing about the soul of the Democratic Party, but it's also about the soul of the United States. That's it. And yet it's hugely thing, a big thing about democracy, but it's part of the culture war. And if and, and if Sanders wins, he will veer off on that culture war to what I suspect a majority of Americans think is the wilder shores of the culture war, and I think that also plays mm. back I, in. I don't think. Let me let me be, be very old-fashioned. I don't think this is culture war. This is class war. Look at look at Texas. The future of the Democratic Party is with Jennifer Cisneros, with with Sitsun, those ladies who are doing pretty well. And in that purple estate, that's where things might shift. Tim Marshall and Oscar Huadiola Rivera will have more from you both shortly. But first, here is Monocle's Yolene Goffan with some of the other stories we're following today. Thanks, Andrew. The World Bank has pledged $12 billion in aid for developing countries which are grappling with the spread of coronavirus. The emergency package includes loans, grants and technical assistance. We'll have more on the COVID-19 outbreak and the media's coverage in just a moment. The Vatican has opened its archives on the wartime papacy of Pius XII. The details have been kept secret for decades amid accusations that he turned a blind eye to atrocities during the Second World War. A number of historians are preparing to pour over the documents. And finally, the Monocle Minute reports on the 73 moving pictograms which have been unveiled ahead of Tokyo's 2020 Olympic Games. It is the very first time that animated icons have been used in the Olympics. For more on this story, head over to monocle.com slash minute and sign up to our daily bulletin. Those are the day's headlines. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Yolene. This is Monocle's House View. I'm Andrew Muller. Still with me are Oscar Huadiola Rivera and Tim Marshall. Uh, let's move on and persist with the theme of dysfunctional democracies. Freedom House has today published its annual report considering the state of civil liberties and political rights around the world. It is not uplifting reading. Countries going backwards outnumbered countries making progress by two to one, marking the 14th consecutive year of deterioration on the freedom and democracy front. Of particular concern were India and the United States. Um, Tim, is there a particular reason why the democratic tide continues to recede? Yes, and it's been going out for 14 years. <laughs> More. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. no, but there's other ones. There's Democracy Index, the Economist mm. um, Index on, uh, mm. also has, and it's all the big ones, Pew Research, yeah. uh, for the whole of this century have seen a decline in freedom and democratic values. And I put it down to a thousand things, which, but for brevity's sake, three. The first one, which is part of what caused it, is globalisation. Mm-hmm which in turn has led to the rise of populism and the strong leaders. And then the third part, the internet and the short intention span and the fake news. And you put them all together uh, and you get, oh, they've nicked my job, democracy's not working for me, hang on, China's a dictatorship and yet it's got full employment or, or whatever you want to make out of it. Secondly, yeah, all these guys, and they are nearly all, I think they're all men, have come along like Duterte in the Philippines, Orban in Hungary and said, I've got the answer to all your problems. And in the short attention span of the internet age and the fake news, uh, I think more people are buying into that and you put the three things together and you get a consistent decline which I do not think has yet bottomed out. Now Oscar, on that subject of the 
the effect that the individual can have at the top. And, and Tim has named a few, uh, you know, insurgent strongmen around the world, and there is no shortage. You could also add, obviously, Putin, Bolsonaro, Erdogan, many others to that list. But the two countries that the Freedom House report highlights are both India and the United States are led by two individuals, very much of that cohort, Donald Trump and Narendra Modi. Should it be possible for one man to make that much difference or is is the man at the top actually making the difference or is he the symptom of the difference that is just occurring? Well, of course, the joke is on us. It's not just the one man making the difference at the top. It's the one man talking directly to the people, which is what uh, is often uh, uh, named uh, populism. But populism, of course, is uh, uh, the symptom and the cause of that populism is uh, uh, the fact uh, that people are uh, feeling correctly feeling left behind by things uh, such as globalization and on the basis that there will not be any material victories for them because none of these strong men can offer any material victories. They no. cannot offer to close the gap between the richer and the poorer. They, well, are they can being offer offered, to, they can't do but it. But they can do it. Mm. So they are offering instead symbolic victories. What's a symbolic victory? Oh, look, the immigrant is taking your job. Or, oh, we're now free from Brussels. That kind of We bullshit. have blue passports. Absolutely. And on top, and on top of blue passports... Or uh, we men are feeling manly again. So if you look, if you look at Latin America, for instance, which is the is, is the part that I I find the, the weakest point of uh, uh, the Freedom House report, you'll see precisely that that uh, uh, differentiation. You see strong men like Duque or Bolsonaro, whose popularity, by the way, is very low. This is very interesting. Very low. Like you know, Duque is like fourteen uh, percent. Uh, 70% uh, 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 impopular Bolsonaro as well. But then you see Janine Añez, uh, uh, the uh, representative of the post-coup Bolivia. And you see her, a woman, with a totally patriarchal discourse. Uh, you know, the Bible, uh, you know, the Bible is going to go against uh, the indigenous peoples and so on and so forth who are feminized and infantilized. Uh, that, those kinds of uh, emotional victories are what people are having in the, you know, in the void of real uh, solutions. So what we need, of course, is to take account of the fact that we need real solutions, but we also need better performers who are ready to uh, uh, use the image, who use social media in a way that apparently the far right and the right wing are doing better. Well, let's move along uh, finally to a related subject. And, and what a cheerful meditation on disharmony today's news panel has been. Um, there are further concerns that Eastern Europe is, in some respects, intent on maintaining a distance between itself and Western Europe. It's not news that Eastern European countries have in recent years taken a noticeably dimmer view of immigration than their Western counterparts, but the same conservatism is manifesting in other realms. In Poland, local municipalities covering a third of the country have adopted rules and resolutions which appear targeted pretty squarely at gay people. Um, Tim, is this related to what we were talking about in the previous discussion? Is this just symbolic populism offering culture war victories where no others are available? It, it's, it's, it is linked to the previous discussion on the rise of populism, but there's more to it than that, and that is uh, history. Uh, the lack of immigration in, into these countries, the grip of religion still in these countries. So it's not just about economics. I mean, I, th I think people sometimes Correct. think economics is just everything, and it isn't. It's a huge part of 
everything, but there are other things. And I looked at the six EU countries that do not recognise um, same-sex marriage mm-hmm. or, or even civil partnerships. Slovakia, Romania, Lithuania, Bulgaria, Poland, Latvia. And, you know, there's a common theme there. They were all Warsaw Park packed behind the mm-hmm. Iron Curtain. A lack of openness to the outside world, a lack of what we regard in the Western democracies as uh, modern social norms. And so they are several decades behind, which then made me think about Section 28, which we had in this country. Not so very long ago. Exactly. Was it early 80s? Yes. I think, think if I recall rightly, it was not abolished till the 90s. That's right. And it criminalized the propagation of homosexual propaganda. Well, that's pretty much whatever that even meant. Whatever that even meant, which is what some of these zones you're talking about. So, you know, it goes deep, deep into the, the cultural roots of this sort of country. And where it links exactly with the previous discussion is if you look at the Visegrad countries, um, which is uh, uh, Czech Republic, uh, Hungary, Poland, and uh, Slovenia, Slovakia, sorry. These are the Visegrad countries who see themselves as a cultural block in some ways. And, and two of them, and uh, Poland and Hungary, openly declare themselves now, their leaders, to be illiberal democracies. Mm. That's a huge shift. And that also springs from, the, from their history. So um, they'll either come out of it and people like the bishop, the Archbishop of Krakow, who talks about a rainbow plague, will eventually pass away and they'll join what we regard as the modern world, what they regard as a, an obsolete world that they don't want to join. Or what we've been talking about previously about the lack of democracy will continue to spiral backwards and we will become like them. Well, Oscar, is it complacent to assume that the traffic on this is one way? Tim correctly points out that many of the countries uh, lecturing Poland and similar countries on this subject now have only really arrived at where they've got to reasonably recently. In some cases, astonishingly quickly. The other comparison that occurs to me is Ireland, which obviously was not a Warsaw Pact country, but the idea that it has got to where mm-hmm. it, it has got to now would have seemed as recently as 25 years ago utterly incredible. You're absolutely right. And in fact, uh, because I believe pessimism, you know, widespread pessimism is part of the problem, let us end on an upbeat note. The case of Ireland, but also the case of Argentina, for instance, and most of uh, uh, these Latin American countries, very socially conservative on the grapes of uh, strong Catholic Christian sentiment. Well, there, that Christian sentiment is, uh, is a still bubbling up uh, and, uh, you, you know, allying itself to uh, far-right tendencies. Having said that, you see the example of Argentina, Abortion is about to be to become uh, fully legal. Uh, much the same uh, uh, happened uh, in Ireland. So you see, there are possibilities of changing uh, that uh, tendency. I agree with Tim strongly, very strongly, that we should not make the mistake of thinking uh, about this only through the prism of economics. One thing is economic misery. Another is the misery of desire. This idea that uh, that uh, you know people uh, in uh, men and uh, uh, left behind peoples cannot uh, achieve as much as uh, those who have enough money. Therefore, they identify uh, with them. So what we're witnessing is uh, also a method to divide the working class, city versus, uh, uh, versus rural areas, men versus women. Having said that, we're also seeing examples in Latin America, the protests later last year and other places where the tide can be turned. Briefly, there is a political problem here within the 27 
remaining 27 EU countries, and that is that if Brussels takes it upon itself to start fining, let's say, countries like Poland, and it's already tried anyway about Mm. the legal reforms, but that's partially a separate issue. If it's fining Poland for allowing the municipalities to be basically, you know, gay-free zones or whatever, because that's not part of the EU ethos, which it isn't, are you driving social mores even further down that line by fining and hectoring them? Uh, but if you don't, how are you standing up for what are the EU? I mean, it's a real difficulty, that. Oscar Guardiola Rivera and Tim Marshall, thank you both for joining us. In a moment, we'll hear how a UK court ruling over Heathrow's expansion plans may change Lisbon's ideas about a new airport. You're listening to Monocle's House View. Stay tuned. This is Monocle's House View. I'm Andrew Muller. Finally today to Lisbon, where a battle for the city's new airport is hitting turbulence. Monocle's Carlotta Ribello has this report. Last week, a UK court ruled that plans for a third runway at Heathrow were illegal because they violated the country's commitments under the Paris Climate Agreement. It marked the first such ruling of its kind, and it's having ramifications. This week, the spotlight is on Lisbon's plans for a new airport that has been 50 years in the works. Supporters deem it necessary over safety and overcapacity concerns at the current airport's central location. And Portugal's environmental agency recently greenlit a new location by repurposing an old military base on the south bank of the River Tagos. But opposition and environmental critics are now demanding a further review in light of the government's climate goals. It should serve as a lesson for infrastructure planners. Be extra careful in making your case going forward. Thanks to the UK, environmentalists have a new arrow in their quiver. Thank you, Carlotta. That is all for today's show. Monocle's House View was produced by Marco Sippi and researched by Fernando Augusto Pacheco and Madeleine Pollard. Our studio managers were Louis Allen and Christy Evans. Coming up at 2000 London, that's midday in Los Angeles, a brand new edition of The Entrepreneurs. Monocle's House View returns at the same time tomorrow, 1800 London. I'm Andrew Muller. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.